Hey friends, this is newsletter number 24. Why was 2003 such a special year for music? But first, a note on loneliness and spending time alone and the difference between the two. Loneliness sucks, but spending time alone can be wonderful. So why do we conflate the two? A couple of articles came out last week elevating concern about the so-called epidemic of American loneliness. The first was an op-ed in the Washington Post that you might have seen. It looked at the 2021 results from the annual American Time Use Survey and found that Americans now spend nine more hours alone and four fewer hours with friends each week compared to 2013. COVID, as you can see in the chart below, accelerated a trend that was already well underway. Just a couple days later, the Sunday New York Times had a front page story about the increasing number of older adults who are choosing to live alone. And they write, quote, while many people in their 50s and 60s thrive living solo, research is unequivocal that people aging alone experience worse physical and mental health outcomes and shorter lifespans, end quote. Then I include a chart, and it shows how the trend of aloneness has been unfolding over decades. In 1995, before the New York Times even had a website, they published an article with the headline, More and More Are Living Alone. In 2009, the sociologist Keith Hampton and some colleagues at Pew published the report Social Isolation and New Technology to explore the worry back then that cell phones and the internet were causing us to become more socially isolated. And by 2012, the sociologist Eric Klinenberg published Going Solo, The Extraordinary Rise and Surprising Appeal of Living Alone. All of this observed that Americans are hardly unique in our increasing preference to live alone. A quote from Klinenberg's book, quote, In Paris, the city of lovers, more than half of all households contain single people. And in socialist Stockholm, the rate tops 60%. Although Americans pride themselves on their self-reliance and culture of individualism, Germany, France, and Britain all have a greater proportion of one-person households than the United States, as does Japan. Three of the nations with the fastest growing populations of single people, China, India, and Brazil, are also among those with the fastest growing economies. Last week's viral articles from the Washington Post and New York Times conflate loneliness with spending time alone. And so I was grateful to Vivek Murthy, the former U.S. Surgeon General, for his articulation of the difference in a recent podcast. Quote, Loneliness is a subjective state of feeling disconnected, even when surrounded by others, whereas solitude is the welcome state of feeling connected, even when physically alone. I love those definitions. I'm alone right now, seated at my favorite table, at one of my favorite cafes, and feeling immensely connected. I'm enjoying what Proust called, quote, that fruitful miracle of communication in the midst of solitude, end quote. And what Oliver Sacks called, quote, that special intercourse of writers and readers. We all thrive on undistracted connection, whether it is in solitude or with others. What we suffer from is distraction and disconnection, Again, whether in solitude or with others. Next section is keep the meter running. Some of my most connected conversations during the pandemic were with Uber drivers. There was the Nepalese musician who came to New York City after becoming involved with the daughter of Richie Havens. 
the Afghan interpreter for the CIA who beamed a proud smile while describing how his wife learned how to drive a car in the California suburbs, and the Brazilian superfan of Bolsonaro who promised he would become the next Steve Jobs. So I love the concept behind Kareem Rama's Instagram series, I guess also a TikTok series, where he asked New York, uh, New York cabbies to, quote, keep the meter running. That's the name of the series. So he asked them to take them to their favorite places in New York City. And I kind of want to try this out while Edis and I are in Oaxaca over the holiday break. I include a clip from one of the one of the stories, one of the Instagram stories. I guess these are all published as reels, um, but they're worth checking out. They're all a lot of fun. And they're like five minutes each or not even that. Next section, kudos. Happy birthday to my buddy Ravaz. Over dinner, we talked about how 2003 was a watershed year for music and for us. It even inspired me to make a playlist, which I share below. And if you've got nostalgia for the great music of 2003, please come join us on October 10th, 2023 at the Greek Theater in Berkeley for the 20th anniversary tour of both the Postal Service and Death Cab for Cuties, Transatlanticism, two amazing albums that I did not know actually came out in the same year. That's pretty incredible. Um, Tickets go on sale this Friday, December 16th. I will be purchasing a couple. Last section is a playlist with a bit of a long introduction. What was 2003? The soundtrack of 23 years old, full of confidence and dreams and naivete. For me, it was 2003. That summer, I learned how to design websites and started a blog. That fall, I graduated from college and bought my first iPod. I spent countless nights meticulously transferring my CD collection to my iTunes library and then to my iPod. In December, I quit my barista job at the best coffee house ever, packed up my car, and drove from San Diego across Arizona and Texas to my new home in Monterrey, Mexico. My entire music collection was on a shiny new white device that fit into my pocket. Just the thought of it made me giddy. What else did I need in life? 2003 was the year that Electronica married indie rock with The Postal Service, Yo La Tengo, Erland Oi, The Flaming Lips, American Analog Set, Cafe Tacuba, Broken Social Scene, M83, Fortet, Stars, Caribou, The Books. It was also the year that country, Americana, bluegrass, and indie rock merged into a new genre that I guess we called alt-country. Just think, Wilco, Iron and Wine, Sunkill Moon, Okerville River, the Bigotanias, Camera Obscura, Songs Ohio. Yes, 2003 was the year that music moved from stereo speakers to iPod headphones, but it was also the year of some epic rock albums that sounded like nothing that had come before. Elephant's self-titled debut, which is one of the first tracks on the playlist, Bell and Sebastian's Dear Catastrophe Waitress, uh, Fever to Tell by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers by The National, Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie, You Were Free by Cat Power. Each of these albums laid the first paving stone for at least a decade of imitation. And then the hip-hop. Three of the most transformational rap albums of all time came out in 2003. Outkast's Speaker Box and The Love Below, which blew my mind when it came out, Phrenology by The Roots, and Jay-Z's Black Album. 2003... The music was too good to be true. We all read Pitchfork 
every week hungry for reviews about the latest releases in order to search them out on Napster and LimeWire. And so maybe everyone's 23rd year is their greatest year of music. Maybe it's simply the soundtrack of freedom, the first step of true adulthood. You tell me. But for now, I leave you with two hours and 20 minutes of music from two decades ago. Before you listen to it, a quick note about the structure. I left out the hip-hop because I think I'm going to do my own kind of early 2000s underground hip-hop type thing. Uh, Instead, it starts off with some of 2003's greatest indie anthems and then gets into more experimental indie electronica and ends with some softer lyrical hits from the alt-country folks. And so while it might not transport you back to your first year of adulting, I hope you still enjoy the tunes. And for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we are one week away from the shortest day of the year, and then a couple more minutes of daylight to look forward to with every passing day. I hope that until then, you all have a lovely week, and I'll be back next week.